Welcome back to Liquid Gold. All right. This is a show where the grasses are knolled, <laughs> the walks are strolled, and the liquid is gold. Welcome to a very special edition of Liquid Gold. This is our 50th episode right what? here. Yeah, that's right, buddy. Somebody got a new microphone. Oh, yeah, you sound lovely, Mr. Kenneth Edmund. This is a podcast about beverage right here on the We Own This Town network, weownthistown.net. My name's Mike Wolf, your host today, along with my co-host... Kenneth Edmund is my name. And we're just hoping this works. Yeah, welcome, welcome. I'm basically in the closet. Theater of the mind. It's only fitting that uh, here we are, uh, 50th episode of Liquid Gold. We're super excited because we finally decided for... And why don't you join me for this, Kenneth, because this is a full mashup. It's time to do a very special and the last edition of the Summer of Shots. But welcome to Shots. 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 Shots, anyone? It's Shots, baby. The Summer of Shots 2020. This is the last episode that we're doing uh, of the Summer Summer of Shots. And it is the Negroni. The time was finally right for us to tackle one of our favorite drinks. It's crazy we haven't done it before. If we have, go ahead and email us, liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. That's liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. That's at liquidgold underscore pod. So, Kenneth, I don't believe we've done Negroni, have we? I think we've alluded to it. and um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, like, like we have talked about it at some point. But I don't know, 50 episodes. Psh, I don't remember, right? dude. A lot of episodes, you know, like we we were towards the end of the day and we had great conversation and like we kind of just like if if we talked about a Negroni, I don't remember it. I'm sure we have. I'm very positive we have. I'm sure we've given a few recipes here and there. I think we we did a Boulevardier one time for sure. How would you describe the Boulevardier's relationship to? The Negroni. It's like a grown-up Negroni. It's kind of like the after you've been through the Negroni and you've been through the Manhattan and you're still going to cocktail bars that would know what that drink was because that's part of the thing about the Negroni over the years is a lot of places didn't know what it was or you'd have to say like well you know it's equal parts of gin, sweet vermouth and Campari and you still might not know what you might be getting back but the Boulevardier was like the pros Negroni, I suppose. What pros drink when they're not drinking, when they're not writing pros? Nowadays, it's kind of a staple. It's one of your first five sure. drinks. First five drinks that a cocktail bartender must know because depending on the time of year, you're going to be making a lot of them. Yeah, and they're not really, there are seasonal ways to do it, but it's not technically a, a seasonal drink or anything because people order it all times of the year. We're going to dive into it. Let me let me real quick just say negroniweek.com. Go go there, negroniweek.com, super easy. Negroni is spelled N E G R O N I. That's negroniweek.com. That's where you can find out where you can help um, support the cause. If you want to help support your friends and neighbors in the hospitality business, they're doing a lot this year to support those in the industry and Campari is matching a lot of those donations so check that out you can go to imbibe's website and you can go to negroniweek.com check that out and speaking of helping out your fellow friends and neighbors and some of our comrades in the industry 
There's a new ebook that I did with Turner Publishing. Kenneth is in there as well. Love to have your healthy. It's one of the only healthy cocktails that's ever been a, in a cocktail book, I would imagine, Kenneth. Thanks, Mike. But it's uh, Lost Spring, How We Cocktailed Through Crisis. It's available on Amazon. You can put it on your Kindle. You can go to turnerpublishing.com to order it as well. But uh, $6.99, it's the price of a happy hour drink, super accessible. It's a really raw document with recipes from over 50 different Nashville area bartenders and beyond. We've got some great contributors from cocktail scenes that we loved in, in Chicago, New York City, all over. Minneapolis. Yeah, you name drop, dude. Name drop someone. Come on. Well, Adrian Stoner, one of my favorites. She has a Shout great out to name Stoner. as well. But um, she was a bartender at Lost Lake doing the tiki thing. Oh, my gosh. The cat just jumped in. We had her in service at Husk one night and kind of made the connection there. Saw her at Lost Lake. Also had really mutual appreciation of music. She's a phenomenal bartender who has a great recipe in there. And there's just... Incredible bartenders. Alexis Solar's in there. Jamie White. Um, our buddy Nick Thaxon. Patrick Goodspeed did the playlist. Um, shout out, the playlist, shout out, shout out. It's, it's a quadruple shout out. The playlist you can find on Spotify, Disintegration, the official playlist for Lost Spring. And we'll be posting all that on our Instagram, liquidgold underscore pod. All right. That's me. A lot of housekeeping that we got out of the way. 50th episode. It's Ooh. Negroni time. It's Negroni week. And this is a cocktail that is so much up our alley that it was a drink we would have after work sometimes. It was a, it was a way for us to restart the night in a way and restart our day in a way because it's a timely cocktail. And I think one of the things you can say about the Negroni, which makes it so incredible, is the fact that it's, it's basically a society-changing cocktail because of the way that you're supposed to insert this cocktail into your day right around the happy hour, time for Americans, but aperitivo hour, aperitif hour in France. And we've talked about that on the show here, how that's just such a beautiful thing about these drinks. They're to be drank at a certain time of day, in a certain circumstance, before dinner, to stimulate the appetite. But what I have seen from the first time I really started seeing people ordering Negronis in bars when I was bartending, this was 2008. I got laid off from my job in radio, started bartending again, started learning about the Negroni. What the hell is this Negroni that all the people in the restaurant business here in Denver order? It was only restaurant people that ordered it then, and so that's why all of us learned it. And we thought it was just incredible because once you start developing your palate for cocktails and for food, and you taste one of these things, which potentially has mm -hmm. up to 70 to 80 to 100 botanicals, in your cocktail it is utterly fascinating so i'm so stoked it's episode 50 and we're covering this i want to drink 50 negronis right now mike did i just make you salivate for negronis i'm ready ready uh when did you start making negronis and like drinking them and you know have that be part of your 2008 it wasn't part of my repertoire i i had had them before i had an italian roommate in college and uh he was a smart-ass Italian, of course. And the Italian roommate is a cocktail. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like you <laughs> hand a Negroni to someone and punch him in the face. <laughs> uh, if we've gone this far and you didn't recall the recipe that uh, we talked about earlier about equal parts, basically the Negroni is a beautiful one ounce 
of gin, preferably a London dry in the in this in this case, but also have to mention the American craft style with like a ton of ingredients in it or a focused gin like our friends at Cathead Distillery, the Bristow gin with the peppery, I always say the peppery lemon goodness. Um, lemon verbena is something they use in that gin. Dude, it's and, a delicious uh, gin. And, great uh, gin. So any of the, uh, I feel like any of the herbaceous American craft gins are great for the Negroni. London Dry would be great as well. But uh, one ounce of gin, one ounce of Campari, which we're going to talk a lot about Campari, and one ounce of sweet vermouth. And for me, the vermouth is a big thing. The vermouth can really change the strength. For me, it's always... And I've come to this through like mixing different vermouths, but for me now, always it's Dolan sweet vermouth, Dolan Rouge, French vermouth, very herbaceous, has a nice mellow quality to it. For me, if you use the Italian vermouths, Cocchi Torino would be best for me because um, I love that chocolatey goodness. Yeah, it's now, a if little you're more chocolatey for sure. If you're making a Boulevardier, I'd say go Cocchi Torino all the way. Incredible. But if you're making a Negroni with the gin, sweet vermouth, Campari, I really like the French sweet vermouth style. It's more herbaceous. It really lends a nice compliment to all the flavors. Uh, for me, Carpano and Punta Mess, which I do believe if you're going to go next level and you add a tiny bit of, of Punta Mess along with some French sweet vermouth, you have a really amazing cocktail. But the thing about to go like deep on it, the thing about the sweet vermouth is if you use really intense and flavorful and just incredibly delicious, admittedly, uh, Italian sweet vermouth, sometimes it's just too much flavor. And it'll overwhelm the gin, it'll overwhelm the Campari. And it's really supposed to be a drink that you sit and you're outside and you're thinking about the night, you're thinking about the day you had. It's like this transition. And that's what's amazing is it, encapsulates a moment in time where you are transitioning from the daytime into the nighttime and it's not dinner yet but it's not lunch and it's not party time it's just time to sit and think talk to your friends be outside that's what the whole italian tradition of this drink is about and that is incredible because that is a tradition that came to the united states and you and i have seen it slowly permeate into the culture here we're talking about Drinking culture changing overall culture, and it's it's been slow, but it's we're, we've definitely seen a lot of change with the way people drink, what they're drinking, and how that factors into a meal. And the the Negroni is such a huge part of it. It's incredible. Which leads us to the most important ingredient in the Negroni: Campari liqueur. Do you want to incredible. start with it? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, there's so much to go over here, and I think it's important that we really do that we really do hone in on Campari a little bit here. It's worth mentioning that with all these incredible, from Don Ciccio, from Fourth Ave, all these incredible spirit makers now in the in the United States, who who really have actually, we thought it was like a joke years ago that oh they're not going to be making Campari in America, they're not going to be making bitter orange spirits in America. Well, they are, and they're making some incredible stuff. But we've got to talk about Campari. It's 160 years old. It's so vital to, obviously it's, it's essential if you're talking about a Negroni, but it's also vital in terms of cocktail culture and the culture of aperitivo and having a little something bitter, cold, on the rocks, or with a little bit of soda before you're going to eat. 
it's a bitter. So that's the kind of the category that it's in. Campari's a bitter. The flavor being um, oranges, maybe gentian root, and then all these other rumored ingredients into it. But we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about in terms of the um, etymology, the possible recipe. So Canoto being one uh, variety, this is the myrtle-leaved orange, and it's a species of citrus with a foliage similar to that of the common myrtle. It's a compact tree. It has small leaves and no thorns, and it grows to about a height of around three meters, found in Malta, Libya, in the south of France, and Italy. And this is a very important tree and ingredient to Italian drinking culture. So that's kind of the orange element that we're talking about that's so prevalent in Campari. The bitter element, which many have thought over the years, because the recipe is a closely guarded secret, as it should be for all these beautiful Italian elixirs. But one of the one of the plants and ingredients for Campari that is not talked about a ton, but is very crucial to the flavor and the, I don't know if we can say health benefits, we might get the FBI like knocking on our door, is the cascarilla plant. All right, this is uh, from, the, from the genus Croton, which sounds like it's from the X-Files or from Star Trek. But Croton Eleutheria, it's native to the Caribbean. And as we talk about with Angostura bitters, with obviously rum and sugarcane-derived spirits, a lot of the beautiful drinks we love still have ingredients and roots in the West Indies, the Caribbean. It's been naturalized in other tropical regions of the America. It grows to be a small tree or shrub. It, it reaches around 10 feet sometimes as high as 20 feet. And the flavor of this thing is hard to describe because it's a flavor pretty uh, uncommon to flavors that you would mix into West Indian cuisine and that you would you would think of, you would associate with the islands. Cascarilla bark and the tincture are used to flavor Campari and also Italian vermouth. So somehow in the spice trade, this... Croton Eleutheria, or Cascarilla Bark, <laughs> <laughs> made its way into the flavor wheel and is a crucial flavor because it's the bitterness mi- mixed with a little bit of spice, almost like rhubarb, how rhubarb like kind of hints at spice but doesn't really go there, so you add spices to it. Similar to the season we're in now, which is almost fall, people are talking about pumpkin spice, We've talked about how it's persimmon spice, which we're going to get into on a future episode. But these flavors that yield themselves to spice, the key possibly, what we believe is the key flavor of Campari is from the West Indies. And it really suggests all these other flavors where Campari did the genius thing. This is a a liqueur invented in 1860 by Gaspare Campari in... Novara, Italy, all right, 1860. He was a sort of a chemist, but also sort of a bartender. The original coloring that they were using for this, which lasted for many, 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 many years, carmine dye, which is uh, derived from crushed cochineal insects, which give the drink its distinctive red color. This is just from the Wikipedia of Campari. Sure, yeah. Um, Those were uh, actually indigenous to the Americas. So um, we definitely needed needed to figure out the world was not flat 
to begin with. <laughs> and then get That's these good. products and bring them back to the Mediterranean. But so Campari's flavors and key th- the key things about it really reside from the West Indies, which, goddamn, you can almost say everything derives from the West Indies in terms of what we drink, how we drink it. If you're going to consider that Angostura bitters are in the old fashioned and are in the Manhattan, On these the are rocks. foundational. Yeah, <laughs> as we do, just straight drink your Angostura after too much pasta. So this, uh, this use of the insects to color Campari was uh, discontinued in 2006. So relatively recently, they discontinued the use of the, use of the uh, insects. And we want to be clear here. We don't think that they were like putting insect juice into your Campari. This was just a way that uh, the, the dye was derived and was potentially more natural of a way of doing it than whatever they're doing now. But uh, yeah, I believe a lot of uh, velvet is actually uh, originally dyed with the same the same bug. Incredible. It's definitely one of my favorite cocktails. It's a cocktail I drank a lot. I think one of the reasons I haven't had is I haven't been in a restaurant much and I haven't been at bars much. And it was the kind of drink that if you were at if you were about to have a big dinner and you were like, oh, let's all meet in the bar beforehand, 530, or let's meet at the bar downstairs before we go upstairs to rest to the to the restaurant, or let's meet at this bar before we go out. That's a that's a ooh, that's a lovely civilized way to live. And people aren't really living that way now. But that's that's the really the ideal time for a Negroni. I'm about to go have dinner with friends. I'm about to have a big dinner. And that's just been rare. But uh the thing about it that I think is Incredible and, and speaks to how popular it became with foodies and people with people who, I guess, enjoy eating out and enjoy like being taken care of in the restaurant setting. Mm. Is it has so much flavor in one drink, and it's like we talked about. Like there might be I don't know how many ingredients in Campari could be about twenty, um, could be like twelve. Who knows? In this sweet vermouth in Dolan, which I use for this one, eighteen ingredients or so. The gin, so for, for mine right here, I've got Bristow gin. They, they've told us about like three or four of the ingredients that are really important to it, and then you got to figure there's eight to 12 other ones just that they feel like is not necessarily uh, necessary to tell guys like us. But uh, it's a drink that's got potentially dozens of botanicals in it, and so it can be super complex all the while being this drink that you're just supposed to sit there and contemplate what you're about to have for dinner. I am completely on board. I have been an angel. What's the what's the word? I've been an apostle for the Negroni. What have I been? An uh, advocate? Uh, Suppose I've been an advocate for the Negroni. Diplomat. A diplomat. Yeah. And the use of salt in these Negroni variations and also in a Negroni can teach you a lot about making drinks and teach you a lot about how salt can play a really huge role in your cocktails because in a Negroni, it's not like you'd want to taste the salt. It's such a tiny amount that it's going to tame the bitterness a little bit, it's going to tame the sweetness of the sweet vermouth, and it's going to integrate everything and make the overall drink more delicious. So, yeah. Not to get off subject too much, but adding salt to your cocktail repertoire or your beverage repertoire, period, will help you with your salting of your food as well. Just a little bit goes a long way. Talking about Negronis and talking about Campari, salt's a big, a big thing to talk about in terms of making drinks at home, or, you know, sort of that next level of, I guess, can we say it because we don't have jobs, the mixology component of it. Salt is something that's going to really change the flavor of Campari for you 
in a drink and really bring out a lot of the subtleties of it and tame some of the sweetness and the bitterness of it. So I think that's a really and it also good... hits it also hits on just playing up one other receptor in your mouth. So you got just like explosion of flavor. I don't know. I don't know what and else. I, you yeah, could... and I would say I would say if you're toying around with salt at home with cocktails, add it so that it's in such a small amount that you notice the difference. So it's straw test what you're making, taste what you're making. Add a tiny bit of salt, tiny pinch, few granules, couple drops of saline, however you want to do it. And see what it does to your drink without tasting it. Once you start to really taste the salt in a drink, and you're talking about maybe a salty tequila drink or some sort of culinary cocktail you're trying to make that is bringing out the savory quality of it, you might have too much salt at that point. you got to be careful. So it's the kind of ingredient that you're using in a cocktail that you don't necessarily want to taste. You want to taste what it does to the other ingredients. That's what I think is the key to using salt in cocktails and salt and Campari, yes, if we haven't said it, is just incredible. It's an incredible experiment to do. How's this? Like the Negroni, it's like a pillow. The salt is a pillowcase. That's nice. That's lovely. <laughs> That's nice. Um, okay, really I gotta run. Let's run through some there. random. Let's run through run through some random things about Campari and the Negroni. So we talked about Cascarilla Bark. Potentially being in our minds, in our research, because it's all secret. It's all secret. But for us, what we know about botanicals and flavors, cascarilla and then whatever they're, they're doing with the orange, that's probably what the secret is. There's potentially rhubarb, potentially some ginger in, uh, in Campari. Another rhubarb, thing, ginger, yeah. like uh, Something sheesh. that is incredible. Campari really played into the futurism movement that became so inspirational and such a fixture of Italian society. In the uh, 1920s, there's a great book that Koki put out about it, about futurism and cocktails. But an example of Campari mingling with futurism is evident today in a bottle of Campari soda. This is Campari and soda. This is one of the most simple ways to drink Campari. Well, there's a bottled version of this, and it's the same bottle. This is You need to be in Italy, I suppose, to experience this. Maybe there's a few Italian markets in New York City who have it. Message us, let us know, or we can get some, or just send us some, and we'll Venmo you. But uh, it's Campari soda. It's a bottled glass bottle soda made by Campari for the Italian market. Now, what I want to talk about is the distinctive bottle design, which was designed by Fortunato De Pero. In 1932, it's the same <laughs> bottle that they're still using today. We are getting close to the 100th anniversary, which I want to throw a huge party for. That will be in 2032. Okay, you're invited to a party at my house. It's 12 years away. That's probably far enough for us to all like be basically nude at the same party. Hopefully by then, we can just be nudists. But... Uh, Fortunato de Perro. He was a artist in the Trentino region. He was uh, one of the founders of the Futurism movement. Super inspiring dude. He did all these amazing posters. He did all this amazing artwork. Was uh, was involved in costumes and stage productions. Did uh, involved with with magazine covers for Movie Maker, The New Yorker, and Vogue, and just an incredible. 
figure of the of the 1920s, 1930s in Italy, they are still using the bottle design. The bottle is the same if you're buying a Campari soda. That is just fascinating. So, and the fact that futurism played a role in cocktail development. So a lot of the futurism and the futurist cocktails of the 1920s, 1930s in Italy, they had food, they had like a like a really large food uh, garnish for a lot of these. They were using like bananas as garnish and they were making some of these uh, drinks. The garnish would be part of the drink because that was the only way you were going to get food. Uh, cubism was a big feature in this uh, in, in Italian futurism and has to be mentioned with the Negroni because if the Negroni is one of the things that's going to change the way that Americans drink and eat, which it already has done, Futurism is a part of it all, and futurism never really, I won't say never, futurism didn't necessarily overtake uh, American culture as much as the Negroni, but it should be mentioned. And then another thing is uh, Fellini did one of the greatest Campari commercials. Fellini directed, that's right, Fellini directed a Campari TV commercial from 1984, so we will encourage you to Check that out on YouTube. We'll, we'll post a link for that on our Instagram. But the Fellini Campari ad is just incredible. Yeah, it's um, pretty we won't, we won't even try to describe it because <laughs> it's just uh, some people in a train car. And we'll leave it at that. No, um, no, no. Like, uh, <laughs> it reminded me of like, uh, no, nah, I better not. I was going to start. I was going to bring up, uh, I was going to reference Harry Potter, but um Go ahead. Yeah, we, uh, no, you're not really to, speak to our listeners. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Like, uh. Oh, man. Oh, God. Has it gotten that bad? We could go on and on about Campari. We could go on and on about it forever. There's a million different cocktails you can make with it as well. Kenneth, I think it's incredible because while we've talked about the West Indian origins of the Cascarilla Bark, potentially the, the key component of Campari, the Negroni was, in fact, invented 1919 at Italy's Cassoni Bar when Count Camillo Negroni ordered his Americano because he was an alcoholic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> with, no. one, <laughs> with one part gin as well as equal parts Campari vermouth. He's basically like, okay, I've had a tough day. Put some gin in my drink. And that's how the Negroni was born. It was like, the Americano is fine and everything, but I want gin. So put some gin in it. That was Count Negroni. I just, Kenneth, yeah. I, I put this to you. What do you know about Count Negroni? Who was this guy? Well, I guess the uh, Cafe Cassoni in Florence uh, is credited with being the first business, the, the first business, something with an LLC that made the Negroni. Just like any other fucking cocktail, Mike, if it's two or three ingredients, I cannot really say that a place invented it or anything like that. It's just like you get accredited. If you throw hold up three fingers, it doesn't mean like you invented the number three, you know? Like but uh <laughs> with that said, yeah, like uh Camillo Negroni. Who is um, this guy? No. He's like he's like uh I want a Americano, but no soda water. Give me some uh gin. Uh the bartender's name was uh something Scarcelli, which is great. Oh what wow. a great name. Um, wow. But like 
can you imagine? Like, I just, I, I've seen it and de- I, I've lived it so much, Mike. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are mostly service industry, but really cool customers or really cool guests out there that are listening to. They've always seen this guy that just starts freaking berating berating the bartender into like making something else something different and like that's kind of how i've always looked at uh count uh, negroni debatably here's my business card my favorite drinks on the back can you please make it for me yeah 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 yeah. i like my negroni it's on the back of my real estate card there's a piece of paper on a paper clip that has my allergies on it as well (laughs) give that to the chef Can he make a Merlot Blanc? Like, yeah, can you can you take an americano and put gin in it? Is that possible? Can you do that? Are you capable of that? Fuck you. That's what Scarcelli probably said and then it probably had a different name and the guy just drank a shitload of them and they were like, "Okay, like it was like the cocktail of the week in the uh, in the Cassoni bar and this guy just like showed up, opened to close. And like started telling people, I'll, I'll buy him a drink. I'll buy him my drink. And boom, he, he's take like a Negroni. Immortal. It's my name. I am Negroni. Nice dude, to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome, dude. The, I just the made guy. the Americano stronger and better. Y'all welcome. <laughs> what a legend, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's over a hundred years that this, this guy has been a bartender troll. What's the thing we do on booze news? Um, hero or asshole is it hero or douchebags hero or douchebags idiot hero hero or idiot yeah yes that's better hero or idiot count negroni i wonder i'm calling uh 3070 his grandfather was a count he just oh yeah Yeah. like he he wasn't even officially a count do you know exactly how like talk like european go go like feudal and medieval societies work like counts were kind of like in the middle class of nobility that's how you have the word county by the way like it comes from preach it comes from the name count and this guy didn't have shit but like (laughs) from the pictures i've seen like a big old mustache and a hat like his grandfather i just know that this guy was just like showing up and being like do you know who my grandfather is i'll have a i'll have i'll have a negroni they're like what's that oh let me tell you it's on the back God of a business damn, card. I know don't be I a hate prick. Him. I don't like them. I don't like them. There's, there's just I could freaking perforate holes in this story and oh rip it to God. shreds. Well, there's bro. there were some uh, some accounts in our extensive research, along with our research associate intern Darren, who is still still with us, even though uh, is receiving no school credit and um, has yet to find a job in the pandemic economy. But Darren helped us, shout out, with our research. He found a few instances where people think Count Negroni wasn't even real. Campari hit us up about that. Was he real? If he invented this cocktail, you know, I got to say I give him respect. All right. For our 50th episode, we uh, we went for one of the longer episodes of Shots that we've ever done. Thanks to all our listeners out there, all our sponsors who have been there with us. Thank you to Michael Eads at We Own This Town, We Own This yeah, Town. Thank you, Net. Michael. Thank you for our Damn, producer, miss, Michael Eads. I miss you, Mike. I miss you so we much. We miss you, brother. I miss you, bro. Um, Jess Matchin, who did the lovely Liquid Gold logo, who has done amazing art, and who is going to be the cats out of the bag, Kenneth, for our 50th episode. 
I feel like the cat's out of the bag. There's a Nashville scene article about the new compilation to benefit Tennessee Action for Hospitality, Lost Spring, How We Cocktail Through Crisis. The word's out about that. But uh, in the Nashville scene article that I talked to Margaret Littman and was talking about what I was working on and the secret's out. It's the Liquid Gold book. And uh, it's something we've been working on for a while. And it's it's secrets of bartending. It's secrets to amazing recipes, as well as how far this country has come and the inspiring things that have happened over the past 10 to 20 years, really, of people making some of these incredible ingredients, making things that we that we that we love and we drink everything from insane uh, craft beer scene in America to wine in America to spirits. We're going to be talking about all of it and talking about all our favorite recipes and our favorite people in the book, Liquid Gold. We look forward to getting that out uh, next year. But the secret's out, buddy. Glad it wasn't me. Glad it was the Nashville scene. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Had to jump in here real quick. We had a little issue at the very end of our recording there. And uh, thanks for hanging in. We had a little bug noise in there that you heard. It sounded like a little cricket. We loved the episode. We wanted to, we thought about scrapping it, but we wanted to uh, leave it intact. Kenneth and I enjoying Negronis and talking about our 50th episode and Campari and all those things. So thank you for tuning in today. Wanted to throw a shout out to Upright T-Rex Music. Thanks so much to those guys for the music over the last few years. And we're coming up on our two-year anniversary, which will be towards the end of the year, middle of December, probably right in time for our Christmas episode-ish. And then uh, another little programming note, our episode that we're going to run next week is our Lost episode with Andy Wedge of Momofuku Group and Bar Wayo in New York City. I was supposed to do a book event out there back in April, obviously got canceled, but Andy Wedge, we used to work with him. And he was in town this past March. I think it was March 3rd. Um, So we're all sitting in a small room with someone who just flew in from New York City. Probably was a little bit dangerous at the time. But uh, it was the last time we were all in studio together. And it'll be kind of fun to revisit that. And it it, uh, continues from the trend that we're talking about today, aperitivos. And the tradition of what do you drink before dinner? What do you drink to kind of get ready for the night, to get your palate ready, to get your stomach ready for food, to make you salivate? There's a real reason for this tradition, and uh, we love it. So we're kind of highlighting that along with Negroni Week. Check out NegroniWeek.com to see all the the lovely things they're doing for hospitality workers. Thanks to Kenneth Dedman, my co-host. My name's Mike Wolf. We will have Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth has his mic and his little studio set up now, so we'll be doing more back and forth with him, and we'll have some booze news next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time on Liquid Gold. Love you, Kenneth. I love you too, Michael. Thank you. Later, Tater. <laughs>